I am here with Steph Quick. We're going to be talking about some stuff. Before we start, very quickly, want to say I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Alex Boland. There's stuff on there. Um, extra episodes of John Alex Hate stuff and uh, writing and all sorts of things. Uh, I am semi-unemployed, so I'm reminding the audience that if you're, if you already donated to Black Lives Matter and uh, all the other things. 40 things on your list of things that's more important than supporting your podcast writer weirdo. Uh, if you still have some uh, change in the uh, uh, available coffers, think about signing up for Patreon because, uh, well, uh, you know, semi-unemployed. That's uh, that's uh, not fun. So let's let's uh, think about that. Yay. Okay. Done with shilling. Steph, quick. Hello. Hey, how are you? Uh, I'm I'm, you know, just living in the best time. You know, just everything's everything's coming out great. Um, my city isn't on fire. Um, we we have like a great president. Uh, America America is great again, and everything's perfect. Yeah. Well, yeah, people are healthy, so hey. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Everybody's got their health, which is good. Um, yeah. Um, there there definitely aren't spikes in cases of a horrifically deadly virus because people want to get their hair cut so that's that's not happening so that's cool oh it's just yeah it's yeah yeah i mean what can i say so my so you invited me on and i was thinking we could talk about winged cats because uh you know as we have uh, said here there's a lot of crazy terrible awful stuff going on and it it's not clear how things are going to get better or that they're going to get better real quick so uh, i thought we could uh, stand something kind of fun and and light so i thought uh we could discuss winged cats uh yeah all right let's just talk 20 more minutes and we're going to deal with we're going to first we have to solve racism and sexism and then we'll get to cats um and then oh wait wait no we need to do well let's do a quick 15 on trans rights uh okay no we're good oh wait i do want to say one thing uh, and then we're going to talk about cats. Mm-hmm. This is the last serious thing. Well, somewhat serious. Uh, I feel real bad for uh, you, you Harry Potter reading fans that are that are non-binary and trans. Boy, that is fucking awkward. We used to have a very regular uh, write-in person, uh, uh, trans lady, that uh, she and I would uh, email about uh, Harry Potter. And she very excitedly sent me her Harry Potter tattoo the day that she got it. This is six years ago. So, uh, JK coming out and saying some stuff, uh, boy, that is, I have no answer, but I just, I'm here for you guys. Cause I've talked about Harry Potter a lot on the show. So like, oh, I, I really heartfelt, uh, I don't know, condolences. I don't know what the right word is, but yikes. That is, that is a, that is a safe, wonderful community that very quickly went to shit. So anyway, that is the only, that's, I wanted that out there. We said it. Yay. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, actually read what J.K. Rowling wrote, and I don't agree with 
you know, her prescriptions or necessarily her take on the problem, problem that, but it did strike me that she was talking about how her father was constantly telling her that he hoped that she was a man or that he wished that she was a boy and that she was a domestic abuse survivor. And yeah. so I, yeah, I have to say that I think that she was kept coming back to wanting women to feel like they had a safe space. Now, personally, I've found that if you go into a college campus and you go into a woman's restroom, there's an, there's nothing in there that's going to, you know, provide for your safety. So I, I would personally think that it, it would be great if we could talk a little more uh, nuanced about how to make uh, society safe for everyone, including people that are, you know, on the fringes for whatever reason. But yeah, I can't, I can't imagine that's any fun if you were a fan of those books. So. Yeah, it's just gross because I, I really like those books. And I, I've said for a long time that you have to divorce your your authors from, uh, from their stances, you know, you can enjoy work and you don't have to like the author, but man, Harry Potter was a safe space for a lot of people that, you know, marginalized folk, like really rallied behind that. And, Ooh, that is, this is a rough one. Like I, and it sucks. Cause it's like, I, I just, I want it to be that she's somebody that's out of touch, but she's using just dog whistle phrases from shitty turf stuff. It's just, there's no, I can't, I can't figure this one out. Like I can't just write it off as, oh no, she's, she's out of touch. She doesn't really know what's going on. You know, she lives in her millionaire, billionaire ivory. Nope. She's saying horrible, shitty. Like she, she went to dog shit websites and you know, ugh. anyway, let's talk about flying cats. I just, it made me sad. I just, I'm, I'm there for you. I don't know if that person still listens, but you know, I, just, I, I was thinking I about you. <laughs> Ursula K. Le Guin who J.K. Rowling ripped off to write the Harry Potter books. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Le Guin is amazing, and you can start with the Earthsea trilogies and go on from there. There's all type of fantastic stuff. And she also, uh, was it The Left Hand of Darkness, I think? Yeah. Uh, it's a fantastic book, talk, and it talks about gender and sex in a much more interesting way. So, yeah. Don't, dis uh, don't despair. Go Ursula. <laughs> yes, except Ursula Le Guin is, I mean, just... They, she does the Harry Potter books are delightful. Or I mean, those Earthsea books are they're they're rough. <laughs> they're they're I oh, just yeah, they're yeah the real deal. No, they're terrible. Like they're written oh. like they're written really poorly. I like Left Hand of Darkness. I like the um, uh, Ice. I forget what the other one's called, but I like her more adult stuff. Um, but the mm -hmm. the kind of Earthsea is yeesh it is not well written it is it's uh it's dean Kuntz, uh dan brown level writing and i i mean i dig I what she's i enjoyed him a lot but how old know, how old were you yeah. well how old were you what how old oh, were I you was probably in my 40s oh really oh yikes i'm starting to rethink your enjoyment of my work now because they are <laughs> oh no this is just good this podcast is just getting more and more depressing Alex we gotta get to these cats no no I think Arsene Le Guin's a good writer I just uh, as a uh, the kind of uh, the young adult uh ged based books the actual um earth sea books aren't um your cup of tea you disagree no it just as I just I just think they're sloppily written um they, they don't have good like connective tissue I do love uh I I'm a huge fan of uh, a white lady uh making the lead in a fantasy book a black dude that's 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 ballsy as shit. And when were those written in like the seventies? I mean, that's some that's some brass fucking. I mean, talk about like J.K. Rowling had to pretend to be a guy to get that first book published. This lady's like, yeah, no, he's he's a black guy. That's a magician. That's that's who my lead character is. Fuck y'all, we're getting this going. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. She well, her dad was an anthropologist, Krober, who was uh, the 
the uh, anthropology building at UC Berkeley, where I went for a, a while, um, studying anthropology, is named after him, Prober Hall. And he took in a uh, Native American man, uh, Ishii, who is native Californian. He was the last guy of his particular tribe, and I, I can't remember the name at this at this moment. But they had an, a very intense working relationship, and so I think that probably colored her. Uh, views on, so to speak, race and stuff, looking at that, because she had, you know, someone who was, uh, not not many people know, but the last people who could legally be enslaved in the United States were California natives, indigenous peoples from California. And they weren't emancipated until I think like the 1880s or something like that. Yeah. So, well, and, and anybody yeah, so, in the anybody in the current prison system, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> well, there's, there's, literally yeah, i mean this yeah. was yeah there's no end date and literally it was a situation where if you're a white person or man walking around california and you just see uh an indigenous californian person you could just snatch them up and enslave them yeah you know so, that's yeah. you know as as we said the good old days you know we're gonna make america great again we're going we're headed back that way really yeah all right uh yeah no, we're, no. i let me put on my, let me put on my red cap here uh we got some things to talk about yep. The Confederacy wasn't all so, that bad. Um, did you see that? We're, we're going to talk about cats in one second. I just yeah. did. You, did you read Trump's comment that he talks about the awkward ending of the Civil War? He basically he basically said that slavery ending wasn't a good thing, or intimated it. Right. There's it amazes me that there are people that say that and that think that, and it's I just, don't know if you look at the articles. I forget what they're called, but the articles of uh, retreat. Or, or retreat when the, when the the Confederacy was saying, okay, we want to separate from the Union. I mean, they just talk about, yeah, you're t- trying to take away our trying to take away our property, and those are our slaves. And also, if slaves escape north, you won't use your infrastructure to track them down and return them to us, and blah blah blah. And yeah. that was a large reason why they went to war. So I, it just it's just crazy. Yeah. Hundred whatever years. Ugh. Anyway, all right. I know nothing about flying cats. Other than uh, there is no, no, Steph, let me, we're talking about flying cats. I'm sorry if you didn't show prep properly. All right. We're talking about flying cats. Here's what I know about flying cats is um, sometimes they, they, they can fart a rainbow. Um, They're usually from Japan. Uh, I think they're called neon cats. And um, I think they might be related to those toasters that used to be a screensaver. Okay. Your turn. Okay, well, that's one particular type of cat, but we're not going to talk about those particular species of cats today. I'm talking about winged cats, which is basically just like there's been these rumors for, I don't know, get almost towards 200 years now or accounts of just like you have like a regular house cat, domesticated feline, and it has these fur-covered wings coming out of its back, usually around the shoulders, sometimes more towards the hips. Um, and so people were fascinated with these cats. Um, they are a classic example of Fortiana. I don't know, probably most people listening have heard, but just in case, Charles Fort was this guy who lived from like 1880-something to the early 20th century, and he would investigate weird, uh, as he called them, damned data or uh, things that were happening that science poo-pooed or didn't really want to investigate. So this could be uh, hailstones that fall down and they have pictures of the Virgin Mary in them, uh, frog and fish falls, um, red rain, all type of poltergeist stuff, you know, rocks flying around and various cryptids, including um, 
I'm pretty sure that he talks about winged cats in his books, but I may be inaccurate there. I may be inaccurate at certain points along here. I did my best, but, you know, if anyone is very interested, there's a couple of websites that are really good for looking into winged cats. But anyway. Well, no, stop. Um, we need to stop. Mm-hmm. This is this is shocking to me. As someone that I can't even be detailed show prep every time I do this show. I mean, just intricate show prep that I bring to this that you wouldn't do it. It is... <laughs> It is it is disgusting to me because I mean when I started Alex Cast I have pages upon pages of books that are unrelated to the topic sitting on my desk and I think I took a note once so I'm kind of a master of show prep. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. All right. So, uh, winged cats. When when are we talking about? I, I got the, the the Charles Sport who is who is kind of unofficial Alex Cast mascot. Uh, when yeah. did these start showing up? This is like a American Times. Yes, they actually show up in uh, Thoreau's uh, book on Walden Pond, because in, in so it's a count from, I think, 1842, he was staying, you know, at Walden Pond, and then he heard that um, this lady kind of across the pond had this cat that supposedly had wings, and it was just kind of like a mostly gray with some white spots cat, and um, so... He went over to check it out one day, but the cat was out hunting, so he couldn't see it. They don't make any claims about this cat that it could, you know, uh, fly or uh, leap better or anything because of the wings. Um, Later on, this cat shed its wings, which happens actually pretty frequently with these winged cats. And so they gave him the shed wings, which are just like bits you know, matted up or kind of furry bits. And he uh, claimed to still have had them uh at the time that he published uh walden ponds so that is the first report he some there's some speculation that uh some people thought it could have been like a flying squirrel crossed with a regular cat but that wouldn't i mean flying squirrels don't have wings well (laughs) also it would be impossible genetically (laughs) here's my here's my uh uh, question here um Uh have you ever seen a flying fox because that yes. foxes look like cats. And uh, mm-hmm. I feel like I just solved this whole thing. It's a flying <laughs> fox. But I guess they no, don't have wings. They have like weird, gross skin under their arms, right? No, the, actually, the flying fox is a type of a fruit-eating bat. They're very big. Um, they have these fantastic, uh, wonderful faces, very expressive. For yeah, covered. and they look like cats. But their yeah. wings are like typical bat wings, which is actually mostly uh, the structure of uh, actually bird wings and bat wings is not like the whole arms we think of it, but it's more kind of like from the, the elbow and the wrist and the, and the finger bones um, that are comprising the wing. And then they just have a typical bat wing, which is just like naked skin stretched out amongst these uh, fingers of the bat wings. So yeah. Yeah, the problem there is that these winged cats have uh, furry. If you actually look in that document that I sent you, there should be. Oh fuck! I forgot about the document you sent me. Where 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 did where did you send that? Was that my email? Don't say my email address out loud. Uh, Or was that on uh, via messenger, Facebook messenger? Oh shit! I totally forgot to look. I mean, I show prepped like a lot, and um, (laughs) I forgot you sent that. Or if anyone is listening and they want to type in their search engine "winged cat." You can see all these pictures of them, and you can just see they just have these furry wings, and people have to hold them up for the pictures usually because um, except for in just like a very, very rare cases, they have no real bony structure to them. They're mostly – well, most of them, there's kind of three main 
causes, as it's turned out. There's a guy called Carl Schuker, S-H-U-K-E-R. He's been studying these intensely for many years. And um, most of them are due to uh, kind of matted fur that mats in a strange way, usually long-haired cats. So it'll make these kind of pads. And then uh, as the, ca the cat sheds its fur, then they will end up shedding the wings as well. There are actually some pretty cute cats like that. Other of these um, cats have something called, uh, it's feline cutaneous asthenia, or it's like fragile elastic skin, which is related to, uh, humans can get a similar condition. And it's a collagen defect, as I understand it. And so your collagen doesn't kind of pack together properly. So it makes your skin, um, it can really, if you handle it properly, it's very strange. If you handle it properly, you can stretch it out quite a ways and it'll come back and, and it won't be saggy or anything. Um, but then also it can, it can make your skin very fragile. So if you have a cat like this and, and you'll try and give them an injection, that the skin will kind of uh, make a slit and tear. And so you can't do stitches. You have to use like medical uh, glue or surgical glue. Um, and they found the genetic anomaly on these cats and everything. And, and, uh, the other thing is that when you sometimes with this particular condition, the skin, if you handle it a lot, like the way cats, uh, they think what starts is, is cats cleaning themselves, licking. If it can kind of, uh, keep the, the skin stretched out and it'll kind of keep stretching. And since it's cat skin, it has fur on it. So it makes these furry wings. Now here's the strange thing you'll find with a lot of these, uh, everything surrounding these winged cats that they're very liminal or betwixt in between because you would think, Oh, well, it's easy to tell if a winged cat has just matted fur because it can molt their wings, right? They'll fall off at a certain point. But the deal is that also with this, this uh, FCA, the fragile skin that can also result in the wings falling off too. So it's kind of, you know, they're, they're kind of hard to pin down. A lot of these, Cats, people claim they can't really tell if they're male or female, which is ridiculous because if you've ever seen an unfixed male cat, they have very uh, tidy but very visible balls. Well, <laughs> uh, no, but uh, if you – there's generally um, uh, genetic conditions are often comorbid with other genetic conditions, and yes. those often are, are related to uh, 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 sexual uh, – whatever you call it. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, if, if you, yeah, yeah. So you could, you could be having like just some, you know, basically uh, if you want to put it in the scientific terms, some mangled ass junk. Uh, so you can't tell if it's a lady or, or, or some, you know, variant in between, uh, uh, you know, uh, what, oh God, I, what's the name for it when you have, I'm struggling to remember the name of when you have, you know, what's it when you have multiple chromosomes more than you're supposed to. Well, I think some, some of those people are intersex or, um, no, I mean I like the that, there's like a medical yeah. term for it when you have like uh like uh oh, god damn it heterochromia well, is have have more chromosomes but there's many conditions where you can have more chromosomes yeah there's like a word for that the actual having oh, who gives a shit it doesn't matter I mean people <laughs> people that know science do but you know why the hell would you be listening to this show if you like science we're talking about winged cats on the fucking Alex cast you know exactly yeah hey look a, yeah, a doughy so... occultist yeah I go there for my science. It's funny because Carl Schuker talks about that in this this instance of this one cat because he was actually a male tortoiseshell, which is the tortoiseshell um, variation of uh, cat coloration is very is strongly linked with uh, uh, female cats genetically. But somehow this male ended up being a tortoiseshell and having wings. So, you know, 
Yeah, but the thing is, the ones that the cats that have actually been identified in studies as having this FCA, or there's a uh, literally, I think, just like one or three cats that have been found to have uh, any type of bone in their wings or that type of structure. Um, it looks like they had maybe absorbed, partially absorbed a Siamese twin, or they hadn't finished twinning, and that was the the case for that. Um, but th those instances are very, very rare. But there tends to be a lot of this thing with, well, you know, these cats having a bunch of different names or they're not really sure if they're male or female or all this kind of weird indeterminate weirdness about them. Yeah. Even yeah. though most of it's just the, they just have matted fur, you know? Well, what's crazy. So, um, you know, to put it politely, I thought you were just talking some dumb bullshit about this. But you actually included uh -huh. a picture um, and I thought you were going to laugh at that and he didn't. So now I feel like I insulted you. Um, so, uh, you included a picture in your, in your Google drive notes of a cat with wings, like a, an actual picture, like, I mean, yeah, wings in the, rough. in the weird extra skin. I can see what you're talking about. Like they licked up the skin and it became like kind of semi-detached and yeah. formed its own little, that's crazy. Like, I thought this was like a, I thought this was like jackalope style, but it's like, it, I mean, I could see why people would call that a wing. Because it looks like, and it, I mean, you can imagine, you could see them uh, go, running around, even the ones where it's just matted hair, they'll kind of stick up. And then when they trot, they kind of bounce. It looks, yeah. I mean, it looks adorable. Um, some of these cats have been, uh, there was one in 2004, I think, that got murdered in some part of Russia, I think, because the people got very superstitious about this cat. And I guess it, this cat wasn't helped because it would uh, stand up on its hind legs sometimes. And you know, sometimes they, they do and they just kind of bat at the air or something. People are like, it's acting like a chicken. It must be a devil animal. And so it got I think this woman's father drowned it or something, which is kind of bad. Uh, another one in 1966 in Ontario, Canada, um, they what they said had uh, they called it uh, black in color. It was graphically referred to as a vampire cat because it not only bore two uh, seven-inch-long furry wings on its back, but also possessed a pair of lengthy needle-sharp fangs. Anyway, so this cat was acting like real crazy and trying to attack people and so um, and, and screaming while it did. I mean, it sounds very dramatic. So someone, I think, shot it. Um, but uh, it was kind of interesting, too, because they called it a vampire cat, but they ended up digging it up later on so they could... <laughs> examined it scientifically and it turns out that the wings were just matted fur but i guess it was kind of starving and rabid which explains the behavior but um i thought that was weird too it's like everyone was saying oh this is like a vampire cat and then it's like well i guess it's a vampire i guess we have to dig it up and see what it's up to you know yeah i was hoping that story ended with like there's like scratch marks on the inside of the cat coffin like it was actually alive <laughs> or like or they they dug it up to put a brick in its mouth like polish vampires <laughs> really huh i mean it's strange enough yeah. that they were just like like dig it up in the first place this whole yeah. thing but yeah um, but anyway if anyone's interested just just google and look because they're it's not like an exaggeration some of these cats they definitely have wings and they're very cute all right now i feel extra bad about this google drive thing because you put a lot you put a lot of stuff in here uh and i didn't look at all but uh i'm seeing that you got a tweet from uh lauren coleman uh a famous cryptozoologist uh i'd say yes. probably the only famous crypto, famous cryptozoologist um, <laughs> uh, that uh, he's a Bigfoot guy out of somewhere on the East Coast. I don't remember where, but 
I think he's up in Maine these days. I think Maine, yeah, somewhere around there. He's got like a Bigfoot museum, but he's he's one of those people that's been around forever. He used to run Bigfootorama or something like that, like back when the internet was there was seven websites. He was like the first like kind of cryptid website out there, <laughs> um, which you know that's that's where I come from. But he, you've got a, a thing saying that uh, John Keel investigated these things. Here is the thing, and this is what I'm talking about with even though... Oh, wait, 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 Steph, sorry. Totally dropping well, you. You know you know, you uh, were saying about uh, uh, describing who Charles Ford is? Can you give the audience who John Keel is? Because um, I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure I'm about 20% to get, don't know I'm who that is. I'm about to get there. Okay. I'm about to get there. So this is what I'm saying about these cats. Even though they've been explained scientifically, they still have this uncanniness about them. So John Keel was uh, a Fordian, basically, who uh, was a um, kind of a, 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 prod- a child prodigy. He started writing for newspapers, I think in the 50s, as a kid. And he'd write all these uh, great uh, columns and stuff. He did travel. He was a magician. And he um, investigated a lot of weird incidents and would write about them you know, for books and for um and he did a lot of also uh, travel columns and stuff. He traveled to India, I believe, in the 50s or 60s. He wrote a book called Jadu. But he is most famous these days for a book called The Mothman Prophecies. You may have read it. If you listen to the Alex cast, you have probably seen the movie or heard of the movie with, um, I want to say with John Keel. <laughs> Richard Gere. <laughs> <Richard Gere>. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's talking about he ended up going to West Virginia in 1966 and they started having these sightings of this weird flying humanoid that was and also flying saucers and it became this huge deal for many months every completely batshit crazy wild ass thing you've ever heard of in the paranormal um pales in comparison to what was going on and what, what he writes about in his book the mothman prophecies i mean you have like strange men in black um you know, you have one of these uh, sightings of Mothman. You have a bloodmobile full of blood, and it's on this, like, little backcountry road. And this Mothman flying humanoid comes and starts tracking the car, the bloodmobile, and they're just flooring it, and they're getting, this thing is tracking them. I can't imagine. It's just, like, weird stuff. He starts getting all these people to start channeling. They go into the library and see, like, this weird time-traveling type librarian lady, and they open up the book, and then, like, suddenly they're in a trance, and they find themselves waking up hours later, and they – it just really crazy wild stuff. Yeah, Is that is um, Mothman, is Mothman Prophecies where Injured Cole comes from, or is that a different book? Exactly. If people yeah. have been listening to Hellier, this is where the, the, oh, don't, one of these don't, people's don't. people well various part various people start channeling Indrid Cold and uh relaying messages between uh Keel and Indrid Cold. But um so when I posted on Twitter that I was looking into Wayne Katz for our show, Lauren Coleman responded to me. And it turns out if you read the, the Mothman prophecies, it opens up uh, with Keel talking about how he was oiling up his monster traps because he was going to go investigate monsters in West Virginia, where he found all this weird stuff with the Mothman. And the monster he was seeking was a winged cat. Yeah. So at the, at the, the thing that, we have found has a completely rational exp- scientific explanation nonetheless is still the doorway to like the ultimate weirdness yeah which is what i love about fortiana 
there's you know, a um, the role of meaning in these experiences. Yeah, uh, where where I grew up in 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 New Jersey, there's a the the New Jersey Devil is our is our local cryptid. Yes. But uh, it's got weird bat wings on top of a, it's a horse head, but it's not so dissimilar from this kind of chimeric thing that's being described here. It's interesting that uh, this kind of stuff keeps showing up and like, you know, you get it reading in like some, you know, uh, Greek thing like uh, Zeus came down, he fucked somebody as a swan. And now, you know, they've got a, a cat with wings. That's, you know, that's the Debbie God. But it's weird, like in the kind of modern world that it's like, this is being known as actual no, like I saw this with my with my meat modern human eyeballs. Like I could have driven home in my Ford after seeing a chimera. It's odd. <laughs> no, it's no, it's fantastic. And chimera is exactly what it is. Um, I have a a post about um, wings have you know for since the beginning of human time, winged animals, winged creatures have been associated with uh, shamanic trance states and access to the other world. Um. You know, Hermes uh, is the trickster god, but he's also the god of communication between various realms. And, of course, he has wings on his helmet and wings on his feet. So, um, yeah, you keep, you know, the wings have a a certain meaning. I mean, even uh, Tinkerbell, right? Um, In the uh, Peter Pan saga, which I was thinking recently, actually, you could read that as a, a... with uh, Wendy being Psyche, uh, Peter Pan being Cupid, and uh, Tinkerbell being Aphrodite, because of course she's going through this uh, uh, transformation from being a young uh, a child to being a woman. You know, as a Psyche goes from being you know someone who's unmarried to being a, a wife, um, which in the ancient world that was the the big adult transition. So uh, yeah, so wings and winged creatures. Um, signify something. They signify this contact with the other world, even if they have a completely uh, reasonable, rational explanation. Yeah, what's, uh, I mean, the interesting part is, so yeah, like if you're doing like the language of symbolism, like putting a wing on something means divine something. You know, if you see it on a cave wall, see a wing, that means more than a wing. They're not talking about a bird for the most part. They're talking about, you know, communication between the two, the two, you know, the the afterworld or the before world or the, the, the periphery, sure whatever you want to say, but it's just, it's, it's yeah. interesting when it's physical in quotes, you know, that, that they're mm-hmm. seeing, you know, like John Keel wasn't going to investigate, um, you know, uh, linguistic or symbolic things, you know, Keel was there to investigate physical or, you know, semi-physical or things that can be experienced, not, you know, uh, he, he didn't go for, uh, you know, a linguistics course. It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting when those, when you cross from, you know, that kind of, uh, union archetype, you know, this equals this state to, no, that's a thing that exists. Like I saw it on Thursday in West Virginia. Yeah. That is the, and that, I mean, one of the reasons that I love this so much is because I've always been very interested in the symbolism and the, the re, kind of the, uh, realm of the imaginal or the realm of meaning in these, um, encounters strange encounters because lots of times people will like they'll see a flying saucer um or a bigfoot and they just become obsessed with with this event and it seems to have this kind of numinous charisma and a deep meaning to them that they oftentimes can't express it's it's kind of similar to an NDE in that, you know, you these people have these incredible meaningful experiences but it, many times it takes years for them to be able to c- communicate that adequately or to try and get at 
what it means, how to express it in the world. Um, but a lot of these paranormal events, in fact, all of them seem to generate synchronicities, which is like meaningful coincidences. Um, I had one, <laughs> I had one the other day. It was just kind of a strange period of time where it's like everything that's in your head is coming out somehow in the outside world. Um, and it was just, I was thinking about a situation and I, I saw three bluebirds very close on the trail where I don't normally see them. I was out walking and it was a real nice thing to see in terms of what ha I had been thinking about. Plus I just love birds and bluebirds are of course incredibly beautiful. Um, so I came to come back home and I, uh, checked Facebook as I was stopping to rest my leg for a minute and, uh, Facebook friend had posted a meme that featured, uh, featured a picture of a bluebird. I mean, not just a bird, but a bluebird. So it was kind of strange. Like you say, when you have these things that are very much in your mind that then display themselves in outer reality. And, uh, I do a lot of, as you may know, people may know, I've, been experimenting with synchronicities, trying to uh, generate them in a way where you can have a certain uh, kind of uh, real world trail to why this would be important, why it would be meaningful, and how it unfolded in uh, time and space. <laughs> but uh, yeah, something like this, like you say, I mean, it's one thing, like you say, kind of dealing in the whole symbolism, but then you're seeing, okay, there's this actual symbol is, is showing up. The, the other funny thing that happened on that walk was, Shortly after I saw the bluebird thing, there was a guy riding toward me on his bike pretty quick. And he was like an old guy with a big old beard and like a straw hat. And he's pedaling. And I thought he had a scarf on, but then he got closer and I saw it was like a boa that was like full around his neck, wrapped around his neck as he's riding this bike. <laughs> I was just like, most of the time I try and act pretty cool, but I was like, okay, forget it. I'm just going to stop and stare because this is crazy. <laughs> Oh, oh, you non-Portlanders with what you think is weird. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's, yeah. What's the weird part? Sorry. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've lived in Berkeley for a number of years and everything. So, I mean, this is normally the type of thing, but it, it was just that he was, he because it, it was completely around his neck, full circle, and he was going so quickly. And, but, and, but the funny thing was that I realized that uh, just before I left, I'd been, um, this guy had been uh, messaging me privately about uh, Pascal Beverly Randolph, who was a sex magician, <laughs> which kind of cracked me up seeing the guy with the big old snake. Wait, was he fucking it? Because <laughs> just... <laughs> I don't I don't get the synchronicity then. Well, he was a male sex magician and snakes tend to have a, a, a standard fallback symbolic value, let's say. I mean, no, I'm not picking up on it. Don't know anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway. But, yeah, it is odd when you see these kind of things kind of showing up. So, I don't know. Anyone, if they're in, if that interested, you can go look on my blog. I actually have a, a post about chimeras on there, too. So, that is the deal on all that. So, uh, thing wait, mm -hmm. speaking, speaking about your blog that you're really good at plugging. <laughs> this is where you would. Oh, it's called a uh, ghost box is a mystery box. Uh, ghost oh, ghost dog is a mystery box. It's a stephaniequick.home.blog, I think. Dot home. It's a WordPress blog. So if you, you know, ghost dog is a mystery box, WordPress and like my name, then it should come up. I'll, so, just, I'll, I'll just do it but, for uh, you. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, you're you're worse at you're worse at plugging than me. I just we we have to we have to get that out there. So stephaniequick.home.blog. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. No, no, I'm okay. I'm telling you. I just looked it up. There's no pretty <laughs> okay, sure. I've I've now I've now done. I've hey show prep. Now we're dead equal. You did seven pages of Google document. I typed in your blog. So even Stevens. <laughs> well, this is funny. I like to, I like to let people know about it because I have um, some of these synchronicities can get like really arcane and very much folded in on themselves. Or people will be like, "Yeah, that sounds like a bunch of horseshit. What are you talking about?" So I like to. Uh, write things and then you can edit it and kind of get things so hopefully it'll be easier for people to understand and have like the i'll take a lot of screenshots of um incidents or uh communications from people and have that there so people can hopefully it'll be easier for them to take a, a look at it if they like so yeah i mean rambling off an hour and a half well there's there, the problem with synchronicities is this i mean there's many but one of the problems is is there's the kind of the batter meinhof phenomenon of just oh, I just saw that, so it's more important, so therefore it jumps out. Mm. There's no way to really test it. Like, so to use your Bluebird example, and I'm not, I'm I'm kind of into synchronicity. I think it actually does symbolize something. I've said for years, been when I've been more, when I was more of like a practicing occulty kind of weirdo, uh, that more synchronicities means something's happening, that the, you know, whatever you're doing is working. But like to go to, to go to, so I'm not being Mr. Science Man, but um to go to the, the bluebird example, if if we had a scientific thing of like the amount of information you take in in a day, like being, uh, uh, you know, an Internet person, if we had some way to go back in time and look at everything you looked at in the days previous, I would put level money that there was a bluebird in there somewhere. But it didn't mean anything until you saw the bluebirds on your path. Yeah, no, which is the is which simple. is this, no, this is a, one of there's. Yeah. Many issues. Uh, hopefully, I will be discussing synchronicities uh, with Rogan and David Metcalf coming up. Um, but this is in the future. I ho- hope I didn't jinx it by saying that. But um, at Project yeah, Archivist, this- which is a podcast that can be found at projectarchivistprobably.org on all of your podcatchers because Steph is good at plugging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it is a big question. That was. Um, Okay, so now we're getting there. When I have been trying to generate synchronicities that will be clearer that way, yeah. that have a clear uh, meaning through to them. Um, I had one if you uh, that ended up. I was called out on a another podcast called History Dweebs by the host, and I, first of all, I, ha- I was way behind in listening to that podcast. I. Uh, I'd been called out by them a couple times before. I hadn't messaged really any of the hosts for over a year. Um, he called me out, but the thing was he called me out when I was thinking about my name because my name's Stephanie. I'm named after a friend of my mom who was a sugar heiress. She was an heiress to the uh, Spreckles Sugar Fortune, and they were talking about a murder that had happened, and the victim had been found at uh, Spreckles Lake, in San Francisco. And um, so that tweaked me to that. But the victim had also worked at Finocchio's, which is a very famous uh, uh, drag review uh, place in North Beach in San Francisco. Um, I know one person who has been to Finocchio's, and that's my mom. And the person that 
took her there is the lady that I was named after. So they were talking about Speckles Lake and Finocchio's, and I was thinking about my name. And then he said, oh, yeah, Stephanie Quick, blah, blah, blah. I had to listen a few times <laughs> to think it really yeah. happened. Yeah. But I like something like that because it's a little more – because you're saying, and I agree with you, it's, it's real easy to start kind of massaging everything. But – so I like ones that – and I've been trying to – to get ones to happen, which sounds crazy, uh, that are more like that, where it's a, little, it's a little more obvious. A person can see where, okay, what? yeah, this would be unusual, and this would be a clear meaning. I had another one that ended up kind of nice. Um, uh, Steve Ray and I did a secret project trying to generate synchronicities on the live broadcast of Radio Mysterioso back in like 2015 for a few months. So we communicated in secret. So everything would have a time and date stamp. And before a show would happen, we would um, come up with like a target word. And we'd concentrate on that and then see if anything would happen in the show. We had some successes. We had some failures. And then we have a lot of these kind of side synchronicities. So once uh, one of our target words was honeybee. Now, I walk just about every day. And I lived in one spot for about 17 years. And yeah, I had to cross. Uh, I had to cross a Alhambra Avenue, a big um, four-lane, you know, thoroughfare. And so you have to press the button so you can cross the crosswalk. And during the time that we were targeting honeybee, there was a bee right on that button. So I took a picture of it because I had my cell phone. And the nice thing about that was, I noticed it. And I'm very nature-oriented, so if I see a bu- an unusual bug or an unusual bird or an unusual behavior or something like that, I'm kind of keeping a tally in my mind. I can't recall any other time that I have pressed a signal there just for that, that there was a bug on the signal, much less a bee. And I calculated it, and it was over a 1,000 times. So that gives you a better uh, kind of parameters to look at. Is this truly unusual or not? So, Wait, yeah, I agree with it. That's, that's one of my big concerns is how can you tell if the if the meaning comes through? How can you tell if it's actually unusual? Yeah, or the so, kind yeah. of, because there is the, I mean, the, the Batter-Meinhof phenomenon is the, the likelihood of when you think of something, you start noticing that thing, which is... A hundred percent true because it happens to be all the time. And I'm, I'm in the middle of one right now and I need to kind of get on a soapbox for a second in the audience. Okay. Stop saying praxis. It is a dumb word. <laughs> Thank you. Everybody fucking says praxis anymore. Like it is really, Oh, I just talked like I was from Philadelphia. Ugh. I'll, I'll flagellate myself later, but every Philadelphia praxis plot. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I hate when I say anymore. It's just gross. I know too many people from Philly. It's just, ugh. but Everybody says fucking praxis. It's real. It's it's a not a. What does it mean? I don't know. It's like a practice. It's like a algorithm kind of thing. It's just what what's the actual definition? I can I could use it in a sentence, but wait, hold on. Uh, praxis, because everybody uses it wrong. Um, oh. So it's like um yeah it's it's the way that like a th- yeah like an algorithm like the way that like a skill is enacted. So like your magical practice would be like you learn how to do a thing because that's what it, all the fucking magician people caught on to this word in the past three months. So like it's oh. the you know uh, here Merriam Web Merriam whatever uh, exercise or practice of an art skill or science. So like the practice of biology would be to you know get some I don't know 
fuck a hamster or whatever biologists do. But for a magician, <laughs> the praxis and chimera is not biology. Exactly. But yeah, but fucking magicians just started saying it. My entire timeline is not my entire timeline, but on Twitter, just everybody kept seeing practice for the past three months. And I understand that it's me. Being way too like you know un- noticing it, but there's also a lot of people. So I think maybe some famous uh, magician started using that word because I also noticed that like uh, my right wing weirdo people that I know, if something comes up on mm-hmm. Joe Rogan in about three weeks, I start seeing it on my timeline to the point that I almost yeah. have like a Joe Rogan index of like oh, I must have been talking about this because now all these fucking assholes <laughs> say these words. But anyway, stop saying praxis. Um, synchronicity wise. I think the way to do it, mm-hmm. if there were to be like an actual scientific experiment or, you know, science adjacent experiment to do, would you would have to have it have a time stamp on it. So like that B mm-hmm. example, I think you would need to be, I think that would have to be during the, the, while the show was on the air, if that B was there, would be a synchronicity. Well, if that would actually, we, uh, Steve did just an enormous amount of work putting this all into spreadsheets. And this is part of the, the, cause we had some pretty good successes. Yeah. Um, but it's just a lot to slog through and to understand this and people, people only have so much time. Um, and then it's hard to, you know, to just write this up so it's easy for people to understand. But yeah, so we would have, it would have to be on the radio Mysteriosa show, um, that was the target at that time for it to count. But we did include a lot of these kind of knock-on synchronicities and stuff to just, because they are part of the phenomenon. Um, if you tend to get focused on synchronicities, you tend to, to get a lot more of them. Um, we had other ones that would come up where like, you know, you'd make an offhand comment about something, but that would uh, show up on the show. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of it, one of my best hits on that whole thing technically didn't count because it actually showed up on another show um, and not during the time. But I chose uh, for the final target, I chose the word petticoat because I was obsessed with petticoats. I sew. Um, and also uh, my husband, Anthony, was he sings a lot and he was singing that Petticoat Junction song a lot. So I thought, this is really on my mind. Let me just see if I can make it happen because it's a paranormal and weird music podcast. And no one's going to be saying Petticoat on there. Yeah, sure. And no yeah, one did. Sure. But I was listening to Where Did the Road Go? Soraya Ascath uh, was interviewing Chad and Alta Dillard a few weeks. Uh, actually, I can't remember if it was right in the time of our experiment or right around the cut. I think it was right before our cutoff date. And they used the word petticoat two times in this show. I was so blown away because he also has, it's like a heavy metal and paranormal podcast. And um, I was just blown away that they used the word petticoat. But they were talking about um, moving into a town that she compared to Petticoat Junction and how she was talking about a synchronicity that they had First of all, it's like, a, you know, the Chad and Alta Dillard are a married couple. So it's a man and a woman. And she's actually older than him. And I'm older than Steve. They don't have kids, but they're really into their animals. Neither Steve nor I have kids uh, or his, uh, he and his girlfriend. But we're also very into our animals. Um, but they were talking about a, a synchronicity involving broadcast communication. They had um, moved into this town. They were trying to get on people's good, you know, make a good impression. So they had satellite TV and they were trying to come across as like, quote, normal, unquote. 
So they turn on the TV, and one of the first things that comes on is a report from New Orleans where um, Chad is there being interviewed with, about his dogs or something. And everyone's looking at him like, uh, how come you guys are on the TV immediately when we're at this party? Because <laughs> they had no idea this is like some old news broadcast yeah. from, that had been recorded months before or something. So, um, yeah, so it was like a really good hit, except for it wasn't in the parameters that we had set previously uh, in the show, which is part of the problem, I think, with, with synchronicities or any of these type of paranormal things that you're trying to get happening is that, you know, there are constraints in the world. So, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be Johnny Skeptic, but there's there is a certain... I think our community, and I'm including myself in this, needs to be a mm-hmm. little bit more cynical at times. Where yeah. not every, well, like one, a lot of the paranormal community seems to have forgotten that there's a lot of shysters in the paranormal community. And for some reason, everybody seems to forget this. It's like, this is, we're famous for it. So stop yeah. believing everything everybody says all the time. That's, yeah. that's a weird, like, it's just weird. And the synchronicity thing is, I think synchronicities exist, but I think. There needs to be, I think, some of the the standards. Like your your bumblebee one, I don't think is a synchronicity because that that road has nothing to do with it. You just gave it. You gave the road more power because it was slightly odd. Except for here's the thing. Except for here's the thing. I that's the only time I have ever seen a bee on a walk signal like that. It happened during the time we were uh, transmitting. No, I got you, but what does the walk single signal have anything to do with anything? I get a very bad reaction to bee stings, so I'm very aware of where I put my hands. No, no, that's fine. But I mean, what what I'm saying is, seeing a bee on uh, on a buttercup versus seeing a bee on a sidewalk button, you're putting that differential there. Like that's not like it's like if if the show was um, talking about how somebody got knocked over on a crosswalk and that happened synchronicity because you're t- the, the synchronicity is based around you're trying to seed a show with a synchronicity using a B in your outside life in any way, shape or form that's not related to the show. I don't think counts as a synchronicity. I'm not trying to shit on your synchronicities. I know they're real. No, I'm just trying I, to, as far I, as I, when we're talking about communication, this is the type of one that is really open for debate. Yeah. And that's why I have been continuing to practice and trying to, get more so you you know you get kind of a feel for how the phenomenon shows up and what is meaningful to to different people um but if you are uh engaged in let's say uh trying to drum up a synchronicity about a certain topic or symbol and then that symbol shows up exactly you know like really in your face like that you you know you're going to notice it that that and that that is part of the that is part of the experience. Now you can say whether or not it counts. See, I think that's more of the batter Meinhof thing because you're looking for that. Now, now I'm not saying like so again, not trying to shit on your stuff, just that specific one. Like now, let's put that same example. Now, if you were trying to seed a ring-tailed lemur, something mm-hmm. that doesn't exist in California, or at least I don't think mm-hmm. they do. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure they're from Madagascar, but I I don't know fuck all about. California or biology, but I'm pretty sure they don't exist there. So if you were trying to uh-huh. seed ring-tailed lemur and then you saw a guy instead of with a boa around his neck, a ring-tailed uh-huh. lemur on his shoulder, that is a synchronicity. Because no, it is outside... Yeah, because it's outside the realm of normality. 
So it doesn't matter. But like a bee is a bee. Bees exist, you know, or whatever, you know. You know what would have been a better synchronicity is if during that time, what had happened was something that happened at a different time in my house when I was sitting around and all of a sudden I heard like pretty intense buzzing and there was about 12 bees that I saw and uh, the, the queen had come into our house and they were trying to swarm in our house. And so I like ran all over the house and shut yes. everything up and caught all the bees. That would have been. No, that, that is well outside the norm. And I would say that would be a synchronicity because it's like, yeah, that's not you looking mm -hmm. for something. You know, that's going. But I wasn't yeah. looking for the signal B. But you, but you were seeding it in the same way Batter Meinhof is, is that you've subconsciously primed yourself in kind of an NLP sort of way to make, you're saying, I'm putting these things out into the universe to try to have a synchronicity show up on a podcast, right? Yes. But that's the same thing. It's, it's as above, so below, as inside, outside, is you're seeding it in your subconscious as well to give more meaning to those symbols. So if you do this experiment again, and I think you should, mm -hmm. is use symbols that are less likely to show up. Like oh well the, well we didn't count that honeybee as a oh no I'm just I'm just using that one for an example yeah like no but that's, even well, that's why I chose petticoat but petticoat's pretty common thought... too because like or at least I know people oh no no those are peacoats forget it I was thinking peacoats no petticoat was a good yeah. one yeah take yeah, that back that's the only time I've ever heard the word petticoat on any paranormal podcast or really any I think I don't even know like the. I, I can't even recall hearing it on any other podcast ever. Look, I'm not gonna mean I'm not gonna say it didn't happen, but given the nature of my show, I'm pretty sure I've said petticoat on the show before. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why I would say it. I don't really know what a petticoat is, but it seems like one of those dumb shit things that would appear in my <laughs> Yeah. But uh but yeah, and it was it was very close to our time period too, and it had these other uh kind of thematic things but anyway I, I, that's partly where i try and write them up more thoroughly and with yeah. documentation so people can decide for themselves whether if it what they think about it basically well so i like i like the idea and and i think it's super valid but here's the way you do it to talk to people for for someone that's like you know someone skeptical is you get the you get the seed words the 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 words you're going to try to make a, a podcast or bring up or whatever in a certain amount of time all you do is just a is is a hit no hit and then just look at the numbers. So if you're picking random words that the the expectation is they wouldn't show up, how many of those ex, how many of those words during a month long thing? And there's your like you don't even you don't even have to say what the synchronicity is. You would just say like the chances of this word coming up are you know like because you have like uh, frequent English frequency. So just look up uh, frequency of use uh, for nouns. So you you know you grab one that's uh, used two thousandth you know like some really low down the list hard to hard to say that it's ever going to come up that has nothing to do with it so you'd say the chances of this coming up are you know basically nil if it shows up then you count that as a hit and then you just go well I did we seeded fifty things in a month so there's you know x number of shows in a month and we hit seven that's significant because your expectation is one maybe two. And then, then you, then it doesn't even matter what the synchronicity is because you'd say this is this is our, you know, this is our experiment. You would expect the result to be zero or one, maybe two. You hit seven. That is like significantly significant. And then there's no argument. You can't go. Well, this wasn't a synchronicity. It is. We seeded that word that wasn't said on the show. It also helped to know if they've ever said it on the show. So you, you may have to run every episode of the show beforehand through Google to get it to type it up and then do keyword searches. But that, 
there there is one big major uh, stumbling block to that type of experiment. It's super hard. <laughs> Pardon? What? It's super hard. It takes a really long time. <laughs> well, in addition to that, yeah. when you start experimenting with these type of things, getting back to meaning and symbolism, you'll find that um, these type of events tend to crop up more around things that have a charge to them. Um, during the, oh God, I could tell you any number of like lewd, crude synchronicities. Yeah. Which, and it's a classic, I mean, once you start looking into this, this is a classic. Um, when you look at apparitions of the living or the dead, it tends to be that, you know, that there's a term crisis apparition because it tends to happen when there's a huge emotional uh, uh, upwelling, you know, if someone is in distress, if they've just died, if they are near death, if it's, um, you have ones where uh, people are separated that are in love, uh, romantically involved, um, you know, or family members uh, that are going through emotional upheaval. This is oftentimes when you have these apparitions. So it seems to be something about this kind of psi effect that's very re linked with uh, emotion somehow. And so um, it ends up uh, these, you can find effects, and there's a lot of people doing very good, very detailed uh, research was heavily uh, dependent on statistical analysis and design of the experiment. But um, you know, they'll find very, very small effects because it's it's boring to sit there and try and, you know, influence a random number generator for hours on end. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, you know, I have these larger effects. But um, I had a big, um, I guess about a year and a half ago, I kind of set my intention that I just wanted to get some big synchronicities where it would be, have good documentation. It would be easy for people to see how I was following the meaning right? Like with the, the one about my name, right? That's this clear. Um, and that wouldn't have a lot of elements that were be like, I had a bunch of uh, runs of um, kind of birthdays and next to birthdays that showed up. And, you know, I'm not going to put that out there and say, oh, this is my mom's birthday. This is my brother's birthday. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because that's, I think, just <laughs> you're psychologically primed to look for those less than they're actually showing themselves to you you can you can say that and i'd be right good i'm glad we agree <laughs> yeah, you can, you can be right. that's but the thing that that uh, gets me about that is for example i've been a bird watcher for a number of years and so it's like there's certain birds that i want to see that, or behaviors that i'm always looking for and i it'll be like years and years where i don't see it i'm specifically looking for it and don't see it and you know then i'll notice when it shows up and and you know i'm I, you know Anyway, but uh, the problem from my experimental purpose with birthdays and stuff like that is doxing people more. You know, I mean, it can be evidential, but, you know, there's information that people don't want to get out there can get out there. Um, so uh, I forget where I was going with. Oh, so I ended up having a uh, after that synchronicity with my name, I ended up having a weird uh, thing that happened right near the uh, sugar factory, uh, CNA sugar factory in Crockett on a bridge. Um, and three uh, groups of people, you know, it's like my brother, uh, my dad, my, and his, my bonus mom, and then a, a very good friend of mine were all 
are right there, unusually, for two of them um, when this bridge went on fire during a big uh, red flag warning that we had here, uh, firestorm conditions in California, and this fire just got out of control in the most crazy way, in the most crazy situation. But um, so to me, and, you know, all these people that I love were right there in danger, and I I had no idea. Um, so, you know, I wrote that up. People can go look at it, that if they want. But the thing that I noticed about that was this big kind of climactic moment to this experiment I've been trying to do was that it, you know, first of all, I was very on edge because I live here in Napa and we've had a lot of these firestorms and they're absolutely frightening. And I was really worked up about that, very emotional about it. And the other thing is, is that we had a public safety power shut off. And so three million people were without electric all the electricity was shut down we didn't have wi-fi you didn't have anything um and you know i would have had to drive for an hour to get to any place with electricity which is like and also we had these like 100 mile per hour winds um so the kind of electromagnetic conditions were very different than usual which i kind of wonder i know that sunspots can have an influence on psi functioning when they do uh, like laboratory tests so yeah, so there's uh, a lot that that's uh, the big problem to running a uh, more left brain type experiment on synchronicities because it c- does come down to meaning and meaning there's kind of abstract meaning but then there's also personal emotional meaning and the bigger effects tend to be linked to personal emotional meanings so yeah well okay so I, I have an idea all right so here's what we do yes. We had a we had one of the other podcasts. Let's say Project Archivist, which you're which you're mm-hmm. a guest on, uh, and uh, I've been on a few times. We book mm-hmm. my my partner John from John Alex Hate stuff. We're going to book him on that show. I don't know what he's going to talk about. We're going to book you on there. While that's happening, you fly to Portland and murder me, <laughs> right? So he's, we're going to have a live thing. So you're going to slit my throat while that show is being broadcast. It'll be all left coast, so we know the timing works out. I mean, Rojin will have to account for that. So you murder me, just pool of blood in my basement apartment. You're laughing. Oh, my God, it finally happened. Probably slightly aroused. You know, what What happens when you murder someone? If live on air, John has a crisis apparition or like a floating dick joke goes through the room and go, Alex, then we've got it proof positive. So it's a winged penis. Yes, a winged, a winged dick that's making fun of a movie floats in. <laughs> And then, then we'll know for sure that synchronicities and crisis apparition work uh, as I as I turn into a cold husk on the floor. It's win-win all around. What could, I mean, basically, it's a perfect uh, experimental design right here on the AlexCast, people. You, you're, you're watching it happen. I believe so. I, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, pretty much all scientists should kind of worship me as some kind of god now uh, <laughs> after, after I've just uh, opened their mind. Um, yep. Oh, I just got a weird thing. Okay. No, the weird thing doesn't matter. All right. I wish I was better at podcasting or I would edit that out, but we both know it's not going to happen. Okay. We talked about wing cats. We talked about synchronicities. Um, we have uh, one voicemail if you want to listen to it. Okay. Oh, first, before I we uh, go, oh, please. if you look up uh, Carl Schuker, S-H-U-K-E-R, has written a lot about winged cats, and there is a site called Messy Beast. Dot com and that has like intense information a lot of different examples there are pictures of these 
cats. There's old uh, newspaper articles about them, which are really fun. A lot of these cats have been the subject of uh, lawsuits, people suing other people for them. There's actually a fun name game with uh, one from uh, 1959 because um, the woman who was suing for this uh, cat, uh, Mitzi, or he could have been called Thomas, but actually I think it was a lady cat. Anyway, uh, the lady who was suing was called Mrs. Charlie Hicks, which is strange because uh, the person she was suing is always referred to as the son of these other people because he was only 15. And Charlie Hickson, of course, is one of the most famous uh, UFO abductees from the pa uh, Pascagoula case. So it's kind of fun to see these things showing up. But if you are interested, you can go see. There's a, a ton of information there about the uh, medical stuff and just all the crazy stuff people have gotten up to around these cats. So. Yeah, they, they look they look kind of crazy. Uh, I kind of want, I mean, now that we have CRISPR technology, if anybody out there wants to experiment on their cats and uh, send us pictures, uh, <laughs> you can send it to Steph at Wandering Bridge Z or me at the Alex Cast. That's your that's your thing, right? Yay! It's Wandering Bridge Z, right? Yeah, so okay. it's like wandering britches. But oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I know how to, I, that's the way I say it in my head, but um, for typing it in, uh, it's because. B-R-I-T-C-H-Z. Yeah, yeah, wandering britch, Z. It just, if I said britches with a Z, I, if I had heard that, I would have typed it easy because yeah. I'm I'm one of those people. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, my, I, my name's spelled with two X's. It's causing me no end of grief. I, I understand. Yeah, that's I really regret. It. All right. So we have we have one voicemail, by the way, uh, people at home, if you want to call in the show and leave a voicemail, it's 503-575-9118 uh, with the BAFO results we're getting so far. Get your voicemails in soon because, boy, this is not going to last very long. Uh, all right. So we have one voicemail. Uh, I'm not going to give the whole number away, but Steph, do you think the voicemail I'm going to play should start with 925? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I have two. I, I I just don't know the other one. But okay, so this is the one we're supposed to play. Okay, hold on. Hey, is this Alex? Hey, man, this is Stephanie's husband. And like, I heard that um, if I was like in a looking for some like superb peyote that like you are the dude to talk to man and i'm like really really i know like i really always wanted to be able to like sing my mescalito song you know like in the carlos castaneda books so if you could hook me up with some excellent peyote buzz man that would be awesome just text me or you know Call me on a, uh, on a on a secure line or whatever, man. Thanks really a lot, dude. Thank you. All right. So that was um, somebody claiming to be uh, Stephanie's husband uh, <laughs> who who would like some uh, some some dank peyote. He didn't say dank. I just I forgot what he said. So he's looking for some peyote. Um, well, uh, Steph, you you being uh, you seen the botanical store? Just get some pe San Pedro. It's it, it's from around you guys. You can order it on Amazon. It's super easy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know why he decided to go uh, kind of a uh, peyote stuff. He's actually not a, not really big on uh, taking any type of uh, mind altering substances, but there you are. So he likes to do a uh, voice. 
that's for the invitations, but he wanted to say hi. So, oh, well, well, hello, hello, Anthony Stroke, Tony, uh, yeah. Steph's husband. Uh, also, hello, Otto. Um, and hi, Steph's mom. I've already said hi to your mom on the show before, I'm pretty sure. So, um, <laughs> peyote, yeah. uh, I th- yeah, that's easy to get. I, yeah, you just work on it. I mean, you got, yeah, well, the thing, other you, thing with him too, is that he's a, he's kind of obsessed with Carlos Castaneda, not this book so much as just like all the kind of people that investigated him and, and were around him and found us. I always thought that it would be uh, great to have a sh- talk with him about, you know, just like the people that went through Carlos Castaneda's garbage and ended up finding out all this stuff about probably what happened to the witches who disappeared after his death and about his, uh, liver cancer and also the uh all the bigamy yeah cassini is super interesting because he's like one of those people that's like he's a complete bullshit artist like he lied about everything but yet he actually woke people up like he reminds me of one of those um like those shitty monks that'll like yell at you until you achieve enlightenment like like those like those assholes and it's like it's weird so like did he bullshit his way into being like a great teacher or is this or are we all this stupid (laughs) or like yeah he's he's an interesting character yeah, he's very, very interesting. And I love uh, Richard B. DeMille. I've read one of his books, which is just excellent, excellent um, about Castaneda. And he really gets into Castaneda as trickster and uh, the power of storytelling and the power of, of being off balance. Um, and then I really love uh, Amy Wallace's book, Sorcerer's Apprentice. It's very frank. She is, It's fascinating because she had a uh, ongoing romantic sexual relationship with him for years, never married him. Um, she really gets into uh, just how much he jerked everyone around and what an asshole he was um, for, I think, no good reason. But um, it's strange because she taught, she really enjoyed sex with him, but she, he was always trying to say that it was um, – like he had magical sperm and all this kind of, you know, putting all this juju on it. Can you feel like trying to do like a sexual, uh, spiritual transmission, which I don't think she ever really experienced. But the funny thing is she's a hell of a writer. And so was he. So you kind of wonder about, you know, she didn't have like a mystical experience, but you, I would not be at all surprised if you seem to have that kind of a transmission of being able to, uh, uh, transmit the ability to become an incredible storyteller because his books are just awesome. So you're but, saying um, you're, you're positing that he jizzed being a wordsmith into her. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, no stuff. It's it, pretty, it's pretty not, mis- not, I mean, I don't think, I think that being energetically so close to people and having an intimate exchange, you, you can, these kind of uh, capacities and um, abilities and knowledges can, can, come over as it were. No, I, I, I hear you. Very misogynist. Yeah. I mean, I believe that women just can have their own abilities that men don't need to like fuel them, but that's fine. Oh, I'm not saying it's no, a, no, I hear you loud and clear that it's exactly too, loud too, and too clear stuff, yeah. loud and clear. Men are the only ones with talent and they need to come into the woman so she can have talent. Hear you just direct quote. I'll put that on Twitter later. <laughs> No, he's 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 all sperm is sacred. Yes. That's what he would tell people. You're just sitting there, it's like you just had sex, and he's like, "Oh, my sperm is sacred. You need to don't lose a drop, chica." Uh, I know so many of these fucking. Ass- I mean, just I, I can't. You know I he mean, he, he probably says praxis all the fucking time. Um, <laughs> From beyond the grave. Yeah, yeah. Castanet is a really interesting example. I I can't get my head around because it's you know he actually kind of reminds me a bit of Joe Rogan. Not to bring him up again, but that he's obviously like kind of a shit heel. But 
some people actually got some really good things from it. Like there's some like people that are no longer assholes because they decided to do DMT from that dumb show and like woke up. Now there's a lot of people that also, you know, I mean, he's, well, maybe not Joe Rogan, but definitely like Castaneda is like a weird rapey fucking shitty cultural appropriating asshole. Like there's a, it's weird. It's an interesting kind of, uh, quality yeah. from, from garbage situation. Yes. Yeah. I, well, I've spoken about this before, but my uh, meditation teacher, uh, Leslie Temple Thurston, um, she, I mean, I learned an incredible, I just, I just sat with her in large groups for a few years, learned an incredible amount from her, She's never a hint of scandal, like very much on the level, very mature, very clean. But her guru was uh, Frederick Lenz, who was just like complete corrupt just garbage fire <laughs> crazy but i knew people who studied with him along with her and they said you know the thing was that she you know while we were all goofing around and stuff she sat and did the practice and was just like real hard-edged and real clear about it and so it i mean the whole idea of spiritual transmission and what can wake people up and like you were talking before about, you know, the artist versus the art. It's a fascinating question. And Castaneda is something is mind blowing, really exciting ideas, but he also really just had, you know, a horrible effect on a lot of other people too, especially the people close to him, you know? Yeah. So uh, it's mind bending. So, well, I mean, the key thing is, uh, yeah, I don't have any peyote. Sorry. Um, <laughs> right. Some peyote. Yeah, uh, I haven't done peyote since high school. Uh, I, I don't plan on doing it again. Um, I, I I took some and it like lasted for like three days. Like it didn't, I wasn't tripping for three days, but like I was tripping for a few hours, but like it didn't like the full, like I had effects for like the next two days. It was really annoying because it was like, I feel fine. I had to like go to school and shit. I was like, this is, yeah. this is awkward. Like I, I really need to come down because it's like, I'm not tripping. I'm also not normal. Like I'm just in this kind of in-between state of, oh, this is just irritating. It's like having three yeah. beers. Like what's the point of this? Mm -hmm. I either have no beers or enough to feel good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never, I've never taken peyote. I, I knew a lot of people. Well, I went to UC Santa Cruz for a while. A lot of people would take peyote and surf. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it seemed fun. It just, you know, lasted too long. But my brain chemistry is weird. All right, speaking of brain chemistry, where can people find you, Steph Quick? Uh, Ghost Dog is a mystery box. It's a WordPress, WordPress blog at stephaniequick.home. I think there's more, more to it than that. Dot blog, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, I'm also <laughs> on Facebook, Stephanie Quick, and uh, Twitter at WanderingBritchZ. Yeah, I mean, now I feel bad. You should say Wandering Britches, but like, I feel like it's easier to find if you say Wandering Britches Z. Because like, if I no, say, because right. if you search for Alex Cass, you can't find me. You have to search for Alex Cass with two X's. It's true. Or at yeah. least, at least yeah. you used to not be able to. I don't know. Maybe you can now, but. Uh. But uh, thank you, thank you for coming on, uh, Miss Steph. Uh, yeah, always, thank you. Always, this is fun. Always lovely to to, to have you on. Uh, everybody at home, uh, follow Steph. Follow me at the Alex Cast. Um, I'm on Facebook as well, or listen to uh, John and Alex say stuff, my other podcast, which I always forget to bring up. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>